contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. And welcome to the Hammer and Grind podcast, the podcast built for contractors to help maximize profits and get you off the tools before burnout or bankruptcy happens. I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here to help you on your journey to self-mastery. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast, and you'll be able to find me there. Consider joining my free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Blueprint. I created this free group to give you as much information as possible to help you in your business. I go live in there once a week, tons of content to help you in your business. Now, if you want to accelerate the success, consider joining my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. In there is a great community of contractors all willing to share information and help each other succeed, as well as hundreds of hours of training, coaching calls, everything you need to accelerate your business. If you want to learn more about that, You can find out more information on hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club, or just send me a message and I'll be happy to share that with you. Now, let's get on to the show. Hey, welcome back to the Hammer Grind podcast. This is episode number 129, sales secret number three, communication is everything. Communication is everything. And we're going to be talking about how, what, when, and why. I'm not going to talk about where because that's really more of a location. How, what, when, and why of communication. And we're going to sprinkle in a little bit of assuming and professionalism. Okay, so I'm going to start with assuming and professionalism, and then we'll get into the how, what, when, and why of communication and why this is so critical to the sales process. And I've talked about effective communication before. I've talked about it in dealing with your employees, with subcontractors, with your spouse, with your kids. I mean, really, at the heart of everything we do on a daily basis, communication is so vitally important to everything. And so one of the benefits of the, the profit sales system that I teach in, my, in the Profit Club is that it, it's really about teaching you effective communication. And these are skills that you will use for the rest of your life. Matter of fact, when I first started learning some of these techniques and and skills many years ago, and I started applying them to my life, to my business, to employees and stuff, it really just opened the door to much better experiences for myself, right? I eliminated a lot of assumptions. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm not like you know, Zig Ziglar or some perfect speaker, public speaker, or someone who understands all this. I'm always, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a process. I'm a living document, if you will. I'm always making changes, trying to get better. But it's definitely helped me in how I've communicated with other people. And a lot of times I'll use some of these techniques for fun in public settings. If I go to a restaurant and I order you know, I'm going to order food or whatever, I will use some of these techniques in a playful way to really just see what happens. It's almost like a testing ground 
if you will, for for some of the stuff that I teach, right? And and to really hone these skills. And it is a skill. So it's like anything else you do, if you don't actually practice it, you will lose it. Case in point, I've said it before, and some of you probably know this, some of you may not know this, I do competitive pistol shooting. And I signed up for a couple matches this year. One of them is the World Championships for I shoot IDPA, which is just International Defensive Pistol Association. It's just a type of shooting sport. There's other ones like Steel Challenge and USPSA and IPSC and all these other ones out there. There's different, there are different types of sports, if you will. Right. And so with IDPA, I and really it's I shoot that mostly because that's what's readily available where I'm at. There's more matches to go to. So anyways, that's not important. <laughs> but it's hard to talk about it without going into a little bit of details. If you guys are familiar, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm going to the world championships this year. You have to have so many points. It's not like it's not so much like you're really, really good, so you get to go. It's more like how many matches did you shoot? You get so many points, and then you get to go to it, right? So it's not so much... It doesn't sound as sexy as it is in real life, okay? That being said, I'm not, and I'm not, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I've shot in the World Championship a few years ago and did okay, finished 10th place in my division. So I'm not a bad shot. Let's just say it that way. I'm not, I'm not the worst person out there. However, in the last two to three years, uh, I really haven't been able to put forth the effort, practice daily like you're supposed to. You're supposed to dry fire five to 10 minutes every single day and go to the range at least once a week. And that's what I used to do when I was really good. I used to shoot about a thousand rounds a month and I would practice anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour per week dry fire and then another hour or so at the range every week. And I had to do that just to get to the higher level. But because I haven't been putting forth that effort, I've dropped way off. So I'm not as good as I used to be. I'm not bad, but I'm not as good as I used to be, right? So I say all of that to say is that with communication, you really, really, really have to practice this. You're not going to listen to this podcast and then apply it and then everything's great. That's why in the Profit Club and in my Sales Accelerator course, which is a lower, lower level course that only talks about sales, we, we do role plays in there. We practice with each other. Two contractors get on a call and we practice these techniques because it's critical to maintaining and like learning it, but then even maintaining it. I mean, I've... Me personally, I've done well over 500 role plays. Uh, some of the some of my clients in there have done even more than that. And typically, the ones that practice the most have the most success in their business in sales, and therefore they continue to do it. What I notice is that the contractors who don't practice are usually the ones who are struggling in their business because they they don't actually take the time. See, a lot of contractors just want the easy button. And I talk about giving you the easy button. And in a way, it is the easy button, but you still have to put in the time. The easy button is that I give you all of the information you need to be successful, but you have to apply it, right? I can't come to your house and make you do what you're supposed to do. So that is like the, you have to practice this stuff if you want to get good at it. 
So the effective communication or why communication is so important is what we're going to get into now. So the assumptions. This one, this single thing is, if I had to guess, and I don't, I, I can't, there's no way to measure this, right? But based on my own experiences, based on conversations that I have with contractors, based on interactions with other contractors in Facebook groups, you know, TikTok and YouTube and everywhere else, this is probably the single biggest thing that contractors do that get them in trouble, right? Making assumptions. And as a business owner, not just a contractor, but as a business owner, and more importantly, as a human being, really as a human being, we should not make assumptions ever. Now, are there times that we have to make assumptions? Sure. Are there times that it's beneficial to make assumptions? Yes. If somebody is running at me with a knife in their hand saying, I'm going to kill you, I can make the assumption that they're not joking around, right? I could probably make that assumption and be a safe bet. So if I need to, you know, pull out my gun and shoot the guy in self-defense, that's probably a good assumption, right? But if, if the guy's standing across the street and he's just like, hey, man, I'm going to kill you, but he's not doing anything, he's just saying it, and I just assume he's going to, and I pull out my gun and shoot the guy dead, probably don't have as good as a case, right? Because I, I made an assumption about it. Just because he's saying words don't mean anything. So if someone's like, hey, man, I'm going to kill you. I look across the street. He's just standing over there. He's laughing. I'll be like, what do you mean, man? Like, what, what are you talking about? Why are you going to kill me? I don't even know you, right? I'm, I'm collecting more data. I'm collecting more information because I'm trying to figure out what he's talking about. So. You don't want to make assumptions because they can get us in trouble, right? We can, we can get ourselves in trouble. And I see this a lot. A new lead comes in and it is in a specific zip code that is known for being lower quality homes, lower value homes. And we simply say, oh, this, yeah, this guy's wasting my time. This person's wasting my time. They don't have the money. You know, these homes are like in poverty. There's no way. I'm not even going to call them back. But you made an assumption because of a little bit of information that you got. You know, I'm still going to have that phone call. And I may go into it thinking that this is going to be a waste of time, but I'm not going to have bias towards the person that it's going to be a waste of time. And so I'm going to have the conversation. I'm going to ask my questions. And then if all of ans- if all of the answers, you know, all roads, all roads po- point to whatever the saying is. What is the saying? All roads point north. All roads point to yes. Whatever that is. If everything is pointing yes, this is not a good lead, then I can pre-qualify him and we go our separate ways. No harm, no foul. But if I make the assumption that it's in a bad area, I just don't even call him back. I mean, who knows? That could have been, you know, the, the most the richest person in town's uh, rent house. It could have been the richest person in town's you know, mother's house. Who knows? It could have been somebody who had connections that could have led to hundreds of thousands of dollars of future business, and you're going to miss out on it because you made an assumption, right? So we don't want to make assumptions whenever we communicate with people. And this is even more important when we're actually having conversations with them. And then on the backside of that, is the professionalism part. 
And God, I, I see this so much. <laughs> this, is, this is part of the reason for this actual sales secret number three is communications, everything. Because I see this every single day. Like every single day, I see this in contractor Facebook groups where people are commenting and they're saying, you know, when I talk to the, con- the customer, I told them we charge 150 bucks an hour. And, you know, it's in the contract that anything over this goes to an out, goes to a double time rate and blah, 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 blah. And we did all this work for them. And now they're refusing to pay us because they said that we didn't tell them there was a double time rate for over, you know, for anything overtime. And it's like, I, I can see it. Now I'm making an assumption here, but it's based on experience. But I can already tell you what's happening in that situation is that the contractor did not effectively communicate every piece or aspect of their pricing model to the customer prior to beginning work. And one time I asked them, is, you know, where is, did you tell them about this information? And their response was, it's in our contract. Now, guys, hear me loud and clear right now, because we're going to talk about this too. Hear me loud and clear. Contracts are designed to save you after a bad thing has happened. Contracts are not designed to do the talking for you to your customers. Contracts are in place as a protection. It's almost like a prenuptial agreement, if you will. If this marriage between me, the contractor, and you, the customer go south and we have we have to divorce each other from this project this is what's predesigned the predetermined to what's going to happen you know i'm going to get this and you're going to get that and that's what the that's what contracts are designed to do now yes there are elements in the contract or the proposal that explain you know certain processes or whatever what they're getting but again that's really from a legal standpoint And so if you're letting your contracts do the talking for you, it's because you're either one, incompetent, okay, or two, you don't know how to effectively communicate. Now, I'm going to say most of you probably aren't incompetent. Some of you may be scared to have difficult conversation with people. Some of you may be high I personalities. Some of you maybe people pleasers and the thought of any confrontation whatsoever like just you know it, it it freezes you like you can't even think about it if you start thinking about confrontation you like lock up you freeze up if that's you you got a lot of work to do and you probably shouldn't be a business owner okay cuz people pleasers generally don't turn out to be good business owners unless they know how to you know, how to regulate that. You can be a people pleaser if you're fully aware of the fact that you are and you not, and you know how to navigate that so that you don't get taken advantage of. Because the combination of people who do everything, you know, how do you, when you're talking to clients and they want you to do all this extra stuff and it ends up costing you, you know, you end up staying an extra eight hours for free. Like, how do you tell, politely tell the client that you can't do that or you won't do that. Well, it's, it's pretty easy, actually. Hey, Brad, while you're here, can you hang our curtains for us? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hang your curtains. Let me get you a price on that real quick. That's it. Oh, oh, it's going to cost extra? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not part of our, our scope of work that we talked about. Oh, well, then don't worry about it. We'll do it ourselves. Okay. Well, let me know if you change your mind. Right? It's easy. Matter of fact, communication. But the people pleasers are like, oh, I don't want to make them mad. I don't want them to be upset with me. I don't want to, you know, I don't, if I don't do this and then they won't pay me, right? Like that's the people pleaser part of it. So if, if you don't know how to communicate effectively, this is how you get yourself in trouble. You can be a people pleaser, but still know how to effectively deal with that. Yeah, I'd love to do that for you. No problem. You're probably looking at about, about $100 to do that. Would that work? Well, I, I didn't realize you were going to charge us extra. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to because it wasn't part of the scope. You know, and I can't, you know, we, we bid this job based on how many hours are going to be here. So that's going to add some extra time. And I'd love to do that for you. But unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to. Right. You can, you can still be a people pleaser, but know how to set boundaries. That's probably a better word. It's like setting boundaries, but you still need to know how to communicate better. Right. So professionalism side of that is, guys, if you tell someone, if you're in a sales process, a sales system, I mean, a sales situation rather, and the people are like, hey, that you're too expensive. How do you charge that much? How do you sleep at night? And by the way, I get this crap on TikTok almost every single day. You're a con artist. You rip people off. You're a crook. You're a douchebag. You're this. They call me names all the time. Now, I don't care, right? Because for one, I don't know them. And two, they don't know me. And three, why would I care? Because I know who I am as a person. I know what values I have. And regardless of what they think, it's not, it doesn't affect me. So if you're talking to them and they say, you know, $250, I saw this one today, $250 to install a shower door? That's crazy. You're price gouging. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, Mary. If there's anything else I can do, please let me know. And you move on. I don't need to, well, you don't know what it takes to run a business. You guys can't see me if you're listening. I'm doing my, hold on a second. You don't know what it takes to run a business and I have to, I got overhead and I got all this insurance and everything. And I just, you just don't understand. Right. When you do that, you actually, I mean, you're basically justifying to them why they shouldn't have hired you in the first place. Because you sound like a spoiled little brat. Don't justify it. If someone's like, you know, if I say it's $250 to install a shower door, which by the way, I charged $400 when I did shower doors. I don't know if that matters or not. This, this person was charging $250 or maybe they got a quote for $250. I don't remember the exact scenario, but if, you know, if someone says you're, you're too expensive, I got a, a much cheaper quote. Uh, and, you know, let's say it's $400, you charge four or $500 and they got a quote for $250, half the price. You're like, did you say $250? How are they? How can they do it for that little? How can they do it that cheap? I can put doubt in their mind. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. That's just what they said they can do it for. Man, if you got a, if somebody can do that for two hundred fifty dollars, I would hire them right now. And if you wouldn't mind, would you? Would you? Would you mind giving me their name and number because I may actually sub out some work to them in the future, and I'd like to actually talk to them and instead of saying, "Well, I, I, I'm this and that," and no. Right? That's the professionalism part. Okay. I'm too expensive. I get it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the right price for everybody. 
right? I don't need to be the right price for everybody. I'm not trying to be the right price for everybody. I'm only trying to be the right price for the right clients. And it doesn't require me to clap back at somebody to get all pissed off and butthurt and, well, you know, screw you. Don't ever call me again. And, you know, when you call me, hold on, I always forget I got my, my voice changer now. When you, when you call back in three months, it's going to be twice the price to fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, the voice changer is making me laugh at myself. I mean, why? Why? What's the benefit of, of having that type of interaction? That's not professionalism, guys. That's not, that's not what being a professional is. If you want to be a professional and you want to get paid professional prices, then act like an actual professional. And that's not what professionals do. You know, could you imagine the president of the United States and somebody says something bad and they're like, well, you think, well, I'll show you. And they, you know, they launch a nuke. Could you imagine that? Like, no, you have to be very level-headed. It's very, be very calm and collective. And I've said this before, there's no feelings in business. So you can't let interactions like that you know, get you all butthurt and then react out of emotion and then say stuff that you regret, especially in freaking text, guys. Use some brains. Like if you're going to lose your mind and cuss out a customer, I wouldn't do it over text or email where they can screenshot it and then post it all over for the whole world to see. I mean, use a little bit of common sense here. If you're going to cuss somebody out, pick them up on the phone and call them. Better yet, go do it in person. Because I guarantee you, if you have the cojones to do it in person, then I applaud you because most people won't do that. Most people won't do that in person, right? And that's how you know if you really have something to stand on, if you can do it in person to them. Some of you guys are keyboard warriors. Hide behind your text messages. Well, we got insurance and you just don't know what it takes to run a business. Let me get a drink. All right. And sometimes these podcasts, I just get off and way on tangents. We haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Okay. So I talked about the communication is more important than the contracts. Guys, you got to be talking about... I, I did over 2,500 jobs. 11 years I was in business, I did over 2,500 jobs for over 900 different people. Most of those, probably about 40... I shouldn't say most. About 40%, a good, a good majority of those, 40% were done with a handshake no contract, we're done with an email or a text or a phone conversation, no contract whatsoever. And in the 11 years that I had that I was in business, I had I think five or six five or six people not pay me. Over 2500 transactions and about five or six, call, let's just call it six, be be conservative on the high end that didn't pay me. And those were, you know, most of those six were like two, $300 payments. I had one lady that was like $2,800. And, uh, you know, that, that was it. That was probably the most expensive. It was about $2,800. So how was I able to do that? Uh, I saw a guy on TikTok the other day. He's been seven months in business as a heating and air contractor. And he has to file his first lien in seven months. And I'm like, dude, I did 11 years and never filed a lien. I don't even know how to file a lien. I don't. I don't know how to do it. I never did it. Because that's that 
that is again, those are, and I'm not saying that you should never file a lien. I'm not saying that there's never a time and place to file a lien. Sometimes you just get stuck in a bad situation that you had nothing to do with, and that's your only recourse. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about the situations that you put yourself into because you don't know how to effectively communicate, right? You don't know how to communicate that this is not included. You don't know how to communicate that this is extra work. You don't know how to communicate that these are the parameters, that this price structure is for this and this price structure is for that. You don't know how to communicate that there's change orders and that when you do a change order, there's a fee. Those are the types of things that get you in trouble. And we're not, you know, exclusive to just people that don't know. I mean, one of the, one of my clients in the Profit Club who I've talked about before, I'm not going to say his name here, but I've talked to him before and he posted in the, in our private Facebook group several weeks ago that he had a customer that was upset because there was some drywall repairs, tiny drywall repairs, and they assumed that the price included touching up the paint, right? We're not talking about like, you know, drywall in a whole room. We're just talking about like doing a small drywall repair. Even if it's a three foot square, you know, three foot by three foot area, that's still a repair. And the customer assumed that that price that they were given included actually touching the paint up. Whereas my customer, my client, you know, the, the Profit Club client, the contractor, did not include painting. It was just for the repair itself. No painting included. And he was posting this really kind of like, more like, you know, sometimes you can't make people happy kind of post. And I called him out on it. And I was like, no, dude, you dropped the ball on this. He said, well, I'm not going to put in every contract that, you know, everything is not included. Like, I'm not going to put in there 5,000 things that's not included. And I said, no, I agree with you. However, from experience, my experience, there's certain types of activities that people associate additional things with. I'll give you the perfect example. When you install a door, 99.9% of your customers assume that that includes caulking the door inside and out, as well as feeling, filling nail holes in the trim. 99.9% of people will assume that that's included. So if you give an estimate for a door and it says a door installation and you say painting not included, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll paint it ourselves, no problem. They assume that you're going to caulk and feel the nail holes. 99.9% of people will. Right now, you and I say, "Well, no, that's the painter's job." I mean, yeah, we we'll, we'll do the outside, like we'll seal it all up, put the silicone, and you know, do all that on the outside because of weather. That's that's definitely included, but the inside, no, that's not included. That's the painter does that because you and I know as professionals that painters prep their own work, but homeowners don't know that. So if you install a door and you sell a door insulation. And you get done, and the customer calls you and says, "Hey, Brad, the guys didn't finish." And you're like, "What do you mean?" Well, they didn't. They didn't caulk or fill the nail holes. Oh, yeah, that's not included. Oh, what do you mean? Like it's part of the door? We thought it was included. No, that's that. The painter does that, right? 
I guarantee you, some of you listening to this have had that exact conversation. And I'm telling you right now, that is 100% your fault. 100% your fault because you did not effectively communicate what they're getting. And you're making the assumption that they know how building trades work. So you're making that assumption. Remember, assumptions get us in trouble. So in that specific situation, your estimate should say, you know, install door, blah, 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 all the scope of work, little asterisk or whatever, does not include filling nail holes or caulking the interior side of the door. No painting included, right? You put that in your estimate and then you verbalize that to your clients. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, just want to make sure that you saw at the bottom of the estimate, it says that the caulking of the nail holes and, and or caulking of the nail holes is not included. Oh, uh, is, okay. Can you include that? Yeah, yeah, we can include that for a little extra, right? You have that communication, guys. Well, it says on the contract, hold on. It says on the contract that it no, does not include caulking and filling nail holes. But did you communicate that to your clients? Did you actually verbally say that to them? Well, no, I mean... They need to know how to read. I mean, they, it's, they signed the estimate. Don't they know how to read? Okay, I present to you evidence A. How many of you read every single line of your cell phone contract when you signed up? Zero percent of you did. How many of you read your contract, evidence B, how many of you read the contract or read the contract word for word of every single thing that you sign up for? Zero percent of you do that. So why in the heck do you expect your clients to read every single word of your contract? Because they're not going to. You see how this stuff works? Communication is actually over-communicating. Effective communication is over-communicating. It's not assuming that people know. Well, I don't want to insult their intelligence. I mean, they, they probably know. They probably read it. I don't want to... Ins- no, you're not insulting their intelligence. And guess what? You can vanguard it. Hey, John, I don't want to insult your intelligence. You're, I know you're, you're a, an attorney. You're a smart guy. But I just wanted to point out, just so you know, like this does not include caulking the, the trim and filling the nail holes on the inside. Oh, no, I'm glad you pointed it out. Actually, I did not see that. You're like, how, how is that possible? You're an attorney. Your job is to read contracts because they don't even do that either. Like They read contracts in a professional setting when they're doing work for their clients, but they don't read the contracts whenever they're in everyday activity. You see how the stuff, like you cannot make assumptions. You cannot hide behind your contracts and your estimates. You have to effectively communicate all this stuff. Whenever people join the Profit Club, I have a code of conduct that they have to read. There's 11 things. And I go through and I read every one of those, or I at least paraphrase each one of them because they're important. And then I have a membership agreement, which is like a legal document that has all of the clauses that nobody reads in there because I do have to at least protect myself from, you know, legally. But, you know, I'm like, hey, feel free to read all that if you want. There's no rush. You can, if it takes you 30 minutes, I don't care. Read that. Or I can paraphrase anything that you want in there. 
or I can point out things that you really need to know about. I'm still going over it with them to make sure that they understand. I'm not just sending them those documents and saying, hey, sign these documents and then, and then pay with your credit card and you're in. I'm actually going through it with them. And you should be doing that with your clients, even through the sales process. Now, we went, a l- way, we went way left, right. I'm, I'm moving my hand to the right, saying left. Apparently, I don't know my own left from right. We went way right on this topic, but I see this every freaking day and it drives me nuts because it's 100% your fault and it can be 100% prevented, 100% prevented by simply communicating with people, learning how to communicate. So let's dive into the how, what, when, where, why. Nowhere. Take the where out. How, what, when, and why. Okay? We're going to dive into it right now. How. How is how you speak. How do you actually speak to them? In other words, your actual tonality, you know, the cadence, the speed of which you speak. Are you talking really fast and like, yes, hey, man, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go over here. We're going to take this out. We're going to put it on the truck and we're going to take it over here. We're going to put it down. We're going to nail it up. We're going to cut it and put it over here. Like I can, it take, it's like, it's hard for me to even talk that fast. Or do you talk really slow and drag it out and have just a really slow thought process, right? If you guys have listened to those, either one of those, one or the other or both drove you nuts, like trying to either keep up with me or painfully wait for me to speak. It drives you nuts. Okay. Well, that's what your clients think about you if you're one of those people. And so you need to have a, you you don't need to be fake and you don't need to try and speak outside of your comfort zone, if you will, but you, you can change your speed a little bit, right? If you're natural, I don't know what, like, I don't know how fast people naturally speak. But if I were to put it in, let's say, miles per hour, just as an illustration, if you naturally speak at, say, five miles per hour, if that's even possible to measure that way, and your client is speaking at eight miles per hour, then you can go from five to maybe six, right? You're not going to speak at eight, but you could speak a little bit faster versus if you speak at five normal and your client's speaking at three, you can slow down. You can go down to four. So you can use these different, you know, these techniques to match their speaking pattern. Because if it's someone who, maybe they have a, a, what do they call that? A TBI, traumatic brain injury. Maybe you're talking to a veteran who's got a TBI and he, you know, he has to think. It's it's a little bit slower for him. He has to kind of think about what he wants to say. Well, I'm not going to go in there and be like, yeah, man, let's get this done. We can get, what's up, man? Let's Let's take care of this. We get this all stuff. No, he like, it's going to fry his brain. So I'm going to slow it down a little bit. If I'm normally talking like this and he's a little bit slower, I'm going to be like, okay, so John, I, I know that you guys, you know, it's really important for you guys to have a curbless shower, obviously for your condition to be able to get in there. So yeah, that's something that we can definitely provide you with. I'm slowing it down just a little bit, right? Vice versa. So how you speak includes confidence and clarity. Now, don't get me wrong. Regions, you got different regions in the country, so people are going to talk different. If you're down south, they're going to be, good boy, have a little bit of slur. 
right? And I'm not trying to stereotype anybody because I know my my impersonations aren't always on point. But they're going to be, you know, thinking like Louisiana in the bayou. They're going to have a little bit of a slur, a little bit of a slowdown, backwoods talking. You may not understand every word they say, but that's how everyone in that area communicates. If someone, if you live in that area and somebody from New York, you know, moves into town and you're talking like that, they may not even understand what the heck you're saying. And so you may need to, if you are in that, if you have a little bit of a heavy accent, you may need to work on cleaning up your accent a little bit. Again, I'm not saying it's got to be perfect, but just cleaning it up a little bit, right? Just to make it a little bit better so it's clarity. The professional side is, it's what you say, like exactly the words you're saying, right? So like you don't want to use words like probably or usually, even though I've, I've even used them on this podcast. But if someone's like, hey, Brad, when can you get this project done? And you say, well, probably can get it done by the end of September. Now, does that sound confident to you? Probably. If I have a party coming up in the first week of November or October, rather, and you're telling me you can probably get it done by the end of September, do I feel super confident about your ability to get this done before my, before my party? The answer is no. So how you communicate is by using words that are confident. You're speaking with confidence and clarity. Hey, Brad, can you get this project done? by October 1st. I have five projects in front of you. The week before is actually available. But in order for us to be able to have this done by the 1st, we would have to get you onboarded and collect a deposit and order materials within the next week. Because those materials take six weeks to get in. And if we don't, if we wait an extra two days or an extra week, and it's on the following week, there's no way we can get it done. Now, that's like speaking with confidence. Like, I know my schedule. I know what needs to happen. I'm a professional. Yeah, I think we should, we should be able to get you in by then. We should be able to get it done by October, the end of October. Yeah, I think so. You want to sign up? Does that sound confident at all? <laughs> no. No. Don't use usually, probably and usually. Hey, we have, a, we have a consultation charge for coming out there and meeting with you and giving you your estimate. And you know we usually charge $250. Well, if you say I usually charge $250, that means you don't always charge $250. So I'm going to be the exception. Okay, well, I mean, is there any way you could do that for $100? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, it's $250 I mean, is what we charge. Oh, you, I, you said usually. I just didn't know if there was any other way around that. Right. So, like what you say and how you say it, rather, not what, what's next, how you say it is what's causing you a lot of headache in your communications. Does that make sense? How you talk, how confident are you? Are you like, I don't know, man, I think we can do it. I'm pretty, I've never done this project before, but I I think we can do it. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm about 76% confident we can do it right? That's not very confident. Versus, you know, I've never done this exact project before. We've done some that are very similar, and I know that there's a lot of similarities. We'll just have to make sure 
that we do a lot of research beforehand so that we do this right. But I'm confident that we can get this done for you. That's somebody who's confident. They admitted they've never done it and they're going to have to do some extra research. But they said it with confidence. So that's the how you speak part of it, the what you say part of it. When you're talking to people, you should be using open-ended questions. Already 40 minutes in. It's crazy. When you talk to people, you should be using open-ended questions. What's an open-ended question? It's a question that requires more than a yes or no response or a maybe or a one-word response. So an open-ended question can be things like we asked. And if you, have, if you guys don't have my pre-qualification guide, the No BS Guide for Contractors to Eliminate Tire Kickers, if you guys don't have that guide, there'll be a link in the show notes. Make sure you get it. Or shoot me a message, I'll get it to you. You can also go to the website, and it's on there as well. If you go to hammerandgrind.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, or go to the top under resources, there's a link in there to download it. You definitely want to get it because we have our nine questions that we ask every client in there, and they're all open-ended questions. And so an open-ended question can be like, how long have you been thinking about getting this project done? Right? That's an open-ended question. How long have you been thinking about getting this done? Uh, we've been getting it, thinking about getting it done for probably about six months now. Now, you may say, well, that's not much more advice than, or much more information than saying yes or no. But it's not just a yes or no answer. It opens it up. Sometimes they may give you a three-sentence response. Well, we bought this house five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. And ever since we bought it, we knew that we were going to do this kitchen remodel. But we had to take care of some other projects first. And so now this project's up. This is the next one. And we're ready to to get this done. Now, that response gave me a ton of information. It told me they've done other projects. Oh, what what kind of other projects have you done? See, that is an entryway into more information, collecting data. So what you say helps with collecting data to be able to pre-qualify them. And so part of this and, and a way to look at this is really kind of an if-then statement or if-then logic. If you guys know what if-then, if the answer is this, then do this. If they say yes, then do this. If they say no, then do this. So it's kind of like an if-then logic. If they say, we've only been thinking about it for two weeks, then I'm going to respond this way. If they say we've been thinking about it for 10 years, then I'm going to respond this way, right? So it's like a primer to see which way you need to go in the conversation. Now, sometimes you do need to ask closed-ended questions in order to, to set up the next question, which is an open-ended question. So one of those is like, have you ever done a project like this before? And that could be a yes or no, yes, or no, we haven't, right? That could be a yes or no, but that's going to prime me for the next question, the follow-up question. Have you ever done a project like this before? Yes. Oh, how, did the, how were those experiences? That's an open-ended question. How were those experiences? Or how was that experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was okay. You know, we had this and that and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it sounds like it wasn't didn't have a great experience then. Uh, you could say that. You know, or what, what, if you don't mind me asking, like what, uh, you know, what was one thing that they didn't do right? Or what was one thing that 
you wish they could have done better. Well, they just didn't communicate very well, which is what you should be doing and what most contractors don't do. They would tell us they would show up, they would be here at eight o'clock in the morning and they wouldn't show up till 10 o'clock. Hmm. So it sounds like it's really important that, you know, if they tell you a certain time that they honor that time. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we it's, it's not a big deal. Like if they need to move it, it's just that we were waiting that day. You know, we got to go to work and we're telling our work like, hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes late or I'm going to be an hour late. And then they don't show up for an hour and a half. And then it just puts us two hours late. Now it makes us look like a liar and I'm behind, blah, 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 blah. Right? So you get all of this data from them by simply asking the right questions. What you say, by what you ask them, you can get tons of data. So yeah, with what you say, you're going to use open-ended questions. That's the main thing there. That's the main takeaway. Sometimes you got to use closed-ended to set up, to tee up the next question. But don't just ask closed questions with no plan on another follow-up question. Okay? The next one is when you speak. This is pretty quick. When you should speak. You should speak as little as possible. You should speak as very little as possible. We say that it's one of the principles of selling that I've come up with called the grandma's rule or the 70-30 rule. You should be speaking 30% of the time. They should be speaking 70% of the time. The grandma's rule is you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. It's so that you can listen twice as much as you talk. And so that's basically what it is. And this blows people's mind, a contractor's mind, because you've been programmed that when you're talking, you're trying to sell yourself. I've been doing this for 57 years. I am a Better Business Bureau, A++ certified. You know, I have 6,000 reviews and we've been awarded all of these awards and blah, blah, blah. Look how great we are. Look at us. Like That's what you've been programmed is that you have to sell yourself. That's not how you sell jobs. You actually sell jobs by making the other person feel important and to connect with them on an emotional level. And the way you do that is by getting them to talk about themselves, to talk about their situation, and to feel comfortable enough for them to share things with you that they may have not planned on sharing with you because they didn't think that you were going to be such a warm and welcoming person. That's how you sell jobs. That truly is the secret is that when you make someone on the other end of the phone or standing across from you, the client, when you make them feel like, wow, this person gets me. This person truly understands what's important to me. This contractor gets why we want to do this. The other guys were nice and you know they had good bids and prices, but this guy here, like I feel, I mean, I like I feel like I could come have him come over and watch my kids. That's how much I trust him right now. Because he just opened that up and made me feel so good about myself. And that's the true secret. And that's that is not, I'm not saying you should be fake, but you use tactical empathy, you, you sympathize with them, you use specific wording, you say it in specific tones, you ask specific questions. All of this is sales training techniques, sales techniques. And all of these can be taught if you actually go learn how to do it. This is exactly why 
my programs exist is to teach contractors these techniques that work. They absolutely work. And half of the stuff I didn't create, other people have created. It's scientific. It's been proven. You can go read books that will teach you the exact same thing that I'm telling you. It's just, I've just put it into a package that's easy to digest and implement. That's really all I did. I didn't create these, you know, all of these techniques. Most of the stuff in the world is not created, by the way. It's taken from somewhere else, just repackaged. So when you speak to them, you're not trying to solve their problems. So when you speak, it's really just to get more information out of them. And that ties into why you speak. So the reason why you should be speaking is really for one of two reasons. You're trying to gain more information from them or you are answering specific questions that they have. Besides those two reasons, you should not be talking at all. And this is where contractors like to puke all over their clients. Someone says, hey, Brad, you know, what's the difference in a frameless shower door and a, and a, a frame shower door? I've seen those two different ones. I don't really understand what the difference is. Oh, here I go. Let me show you how awesome I am and how knowledgeable I am and why you should hire me. So back in 1982, the framed shower door was invented by so-and-so. Right? Like that's you, you guys think that's your opportunity to like pounce on them and literally word vomit all over them with your superior knowledge of your craft. And because you know so much information, therefore they have to hire you. Now I'm being over dramatic here on purpose, but it's not that far from the truth. Some of you literally believe that you have to impress them with your knowledge in order for them to hire you. And that is the biggest lie you've been sold. Every time I have clients that come in, contractors that come into the Profit Club, and they start learning this stuff, inevitably, you're going to make mistakes. It's something new. You're learning how to ride a bicycle for the first time. You're, You're learning how to install crown molding for the first time ever. You're not going to get it right. You're going to screw up. And this always happens. And, you know, one of the beautiful things that we have in there is like some of these guys will record their conversations and then they'll, they'll put it in there and we'll, we can listen to it and I can give feedback. But almost always when we're doing this, especially when we're doing our live training, because we have a, a live training call each week where we usually will role play and you get the chance to role play in front of lots of other contractors, which is very nerve wracking, creates a lot of anxiety and it's very, very beneficial for you in learning, by the way. Being vulnerable is the, is the quickest way to learn. But what ends up happening is when they're doing it for the first time or for the first few times, they're so nervous that they're going to get it wrong. As soon as somebody who's role-playing or even a real customer asks them a technical question, they instantly latch onto it. Oh, technical. I know technical. I know all of the schematics about heated tile floors. I can talk to you about heated tile floors for two hours. So let me dive deep into a dissertation about tile floors because I do know this topic and I want to talk about it. But everything else that I'm learning, very insecure about. And so what ends up happening is you go way, way, way down into the technical hole 
because you're familiar with that information. And really, all the client was asking you was like, you know, how is it worth it? Like, is it, is it does it really heat the floor or is it just kind of like lukewarm? Like, is it actually going to make my feet warm or is it just keep it from being cold? Right? Like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's like a, their question that they ask you re- requires a 30 second response, maybe a, even a five second response. But you turned it into a 10, 15 minute lecture on the benefits versus the, you know, the cons of owning a tile floor because you know that topic. And that's not what matters. The technical aspect and the way that the reason why this doesn't matter is because the people that are calling you, they don't care to know how you do this stuff. All they care to know is that you actually know what you're doing. They don't want they don't want you to explain to them how you install tile. They just want to know that you actually know how to install tile. It would be easier if they just said, "Hey, Brad, do you know how to install tile?" "Yeah, sure do." Perfect. But they don't they're not going to ask you that. "Hey, have you ever had experience, you know, how many how many tile showers have you done before?" "Well, we've done 25." "We've done 25 tile showers. We've done everything from panels to porcelain to ceramic and curbless and curved and sheets and this and niche and blah, 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 blah. Like you're going to start puking all over them because, you know, you got to tell them how good you are. No, all they wanted to know is like, are you competent enough to install tile? So when you're speaking, it should only be to gather data or to answer their questions specifically and not get trapped in the technical aspect. And one of the things that we do for some of the guys when they get a little more advanced and they start doing a lot better is we will, they will actually role play another trade that they know nothing about. So if they are a remodeler, they may role play as a landscaper. And the reason why we do this is because they can't rely on their knowledge of the actual craft to make the sale. They have to rely on their skills of asking the right questions, using the right tonality, using the right cadence. All of these tools that we teach, they have to rely on the actual training to get the sale, not on the technical aspects of it. And it'll probably blow your mind if you're hearing this for the first time, but when we're talking to people, we don't we don't even get all of the scope of work. Believe it or not, we don't get the full scope of work. We don't know every single detail about their project. We know just enough information to know like, oh, are we just doing a tile shower or are we doing a full bathroom gut? And that's about it. Like we're not asking them what kind of tile they want, you know, what size vanity they want, what color paint, how many shower heads they want. We're not asking those details at all because that's not the purpose on the pre-qualification call or discovery call as we call that. So I hope that this has been a little bit of an eye-opening. This was the last of the sales secret series that I'm doing, but I wanted to make sure you guys understand that communication is the single most important sales secret that you can have. If you know how to effectively communicate with people, your sales rate and closing rate will go way up and your profit margins will go way up. So if you want help with this, if you want to learn 
how to be, you know, an expert at communication, more importantly, effective communication, then hit me up. There'll be links in the in the show notes. You can sign up for the sales accelerator. It's only $99 a month at the time of this recording. It is a heck of a deal. It's way underpriced. I could easily charge $2,500 just for the training. But on top of that, we have a private Facebook group and the weekly coaching calls where we actually helped you to make sure you understand this. So you can sign up for that or you can jump into the Profit Club, which includes everything about your business, all aspects of, of your business, including the sales training as well. Links for that in the show notes. Guys, appreciate you hanging out with me. We went a little long on this one. Lots of stuff to talk about. And I appreciate you hanging out to the end. You know where to find me on all the the social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for the Hammer and Grind podcast. Also, YouTube. I actually never mentioned it. You can watch these video, these podcast episodes on YouTube. The same handle, Hammer and Grind podcast. And if there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me and let me know. Until next time, guys, remember, profit is not a dirty word. <laughs>